Welcome to Sherborne Voices Podcast. This is episode 24 for Wednesday, the 27th of October, 2021. It's been a very busy start to the week. More of that in a minute. But in today's episode, we've got the usual selection of what's on items and public announcements. We've got an interview with Sue Thomas-Peter from the Rotary Club of Sherborne Castles about World Polio Day and their involvement in it. And we're starting off with my busy start of the week, a report from me on the Open Sherborne Tours of Sherborne School. I had an excellent two days at the start of this week, Monday and Tuesday, because I took part in the Sherborne Schools Open Sherborne event, where they provided tours of the school. And I went on the custodians tour with James Perry on Monday and saw all manner of parts of the school that I haven't seen before, such as the chapel and the upstairs of the library and the big schoolroom, as well as little corners in the grounds that date back to when there was All Hallows Church there, and where the conduit originally stood. Fascinating. I learned such a lot that there is so much history to take in. I'm going to have to study it properly to be able to remember all the dates involved. But it was very, very interesting. I then revisited the Shell House on Monday afternoon and learned some more about that. But I think the highlight for me was the Alan Turing tour yesterday morning with Sherborne School's archivist, Rachel Hassel. hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Rachel. Which was just fascinating. The school has quite a collection of documents relating to Alan Turing, which were donated by his family. So we saw old school reports, letters that he wrote to his family. They have a bookcase of the books he took out of the library when he was in the sixth form. The only fiction he took out of the library was Alice in Wonderland, Through the Looking Glass, and one other that I can't remember. Lots of photographs. And of course, we visited the Alan Turing bust in the courts. And what I hadn't appreciated was that you can actually see the bust from the gate. As you will no doubt know, most of the time the school is not open to the public. But you could go to the gate and you would see it. And apparently it looks wonderful at night because it's lit up. So I may take a trip down once it's gone dark to have a a look at it, even from a distance. Zoe Sheffield from the school, who's on the marketing side, told us that the school plans to do more of these events. Some you will have to pay for, like any other tour, but they are hoping to do a tour for the community, the Sherborne community, once a year as well. I welcome this 
Open Sherborne event because it's fascinating to see all this history in, in a little place and to learn about it for me personally. But I also love the idea of a closer involvement, connection between Sherborne School and Sherborne the town and its community. And I would certainly recommend and look out for publicity about any tours that happen. We'll certainly mention them on the podcast, but I would certainly recommend if you get the chance to go on one to take that opportunity. We were given uh, lots of printouts about information about the buildings, historic buildings in the school, about Alan Turing and his time at the school, and postcards, which I shall treasure. So thanks to Zoe Sheffield, James Perry and Rachel Hassell and everyone else behind the scenes for giving their time to organise these tours and take us on these tours. And we even got a special deal on coffee and cake at the Hub. Well, how good can that be? This isn't in Sherborne, but is Sherborne related? Congratulations are in order for the Alfred Daly and you can find it by going on your radio to 107.3 FM if you're in the Shaftesbury area. Or you can go to thisisalfred.com. It's a podcast, essentially, but runs as a local radio station. And it's all spoken word for the local communities. And it has won the Gold Award in the Community Radio Awards. So it is Podcast of the Year. And the link to Sherborne is that I've been listening to it sporadically, I confess, for a couple of years. It's only been going about two and a half years, I think. I thought to myself, this would be a great thing to do in Sherborne. Hence, Sherborne Voices podcast. Now, it has to be said that This Is Alfred has over 80 volunteers and a full-time volunteer, Kerry Jones, runs the station, which in no way is a criticism of this is Alfred. On the contrary, it shows the potential that we could have for growth and for having more people involved. So I'd just like to say well done to everyone involved at This Is Alfred and for the great work that you do for the Shaftesbury community. Now you may have seen a post on social media, but if not, I can tell you that Dorset Healthcare University Trust has confirmed its decision to reinstate the Minor Injuries Unit walk-in clinics at the Yetman Hospital with immediate effect. So you don't need to make an appointment any longer. You can just walk in as we used to be able to do in the past. So well done to everyone who was involved in getting the walk-in clinics back. Is a job vacancy at the Swan Inn, Sturminster Newton. They're recruiting two part-time roles, restaurant waiting staff and assistant housekeeper, to join their busy team. And the job description is to clean, change or refresh letting rooms to a high standard to include bar cleaning and toilets, ideally with previous experience, although training will be given. Pay is negotiable, must be available mornings, 8 to 9 a.m. till 12 noon, Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, plus occasional cover for holidays and absences. If you're interested, 
please call into the Swan Inn in Sturminster Newton on Marketplace or ring 01258 268 150 and ask for Jeff or Emma. You may have seen the sign for the rendezvous at Cheap Street Church in Sherborne, but I wonder if you know what they do there. They work with young people struggling to achieve a qualification in English and or maths, and they offer one-to-one tuition that works towards a functional skills certificate. They have sessions in Sherborne three times a week, as well as sessions in Yeovil on Tuesdays. If you would like help in achieving a qualification in English and or maths, the best thing is to probably go to their website, www.therendezvous, that's R-E-N-D-E-Z-V-O-U-S, therendezvous.org.uk. And if you go to the Young People page there, you'll see what else they offer. There is a phone number which is manned between 9.30 in the morning and 4 in the afternoon on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. And that number is 01935 814 496. There's another job opportunity for a receptionist stroke administrator at Milburn Port Surgery. Positions are available for 20 to 37 hours a week. Prior experience of GP practice work is desirable but not essential. And it's more important to have skills with IT and customer service or patient liaison. Full training on our systems will be provided. Please send your CV and a covering letter to the reception lead, Anita Guppy, by email to anita.guppy at nhs.net. And you need to send that by the 1st of November in order to receive an application pack. So if that's of interest to you or indeed to someone you know, get in touch with Anita Guppy. Last week, we told you about the Newell Restaurant and Rooms being on the TV programme Four in a Bed. Well, they won that week's episode, but it didn't half cause a, a lot of comment on social media, which I won't repeat here. But it was interesting to see that a local bed and breakfast was taking part in it. By all accounts, the Repair Café in Sherborne was a great success on Saturday. A friend of mine went down to Cheap Street Church Hall and had a look round, and I'm told that there were about six or seven people repairing things, jewellery and embroidery and other small items. They're still looking for volunteer repairers and helpers, but it's great to have this kind of opportunity in Sherborne. I don't yet have the date for the next one, but it, it will be in a month's time, so somewhere around the middle of November to the end of November. When I know more, I shall share that information with you. Having been in the Hub Cafe three times, just on Monday and Tuesday because of the Open Sherborne tours that I was doing, I noticed that this year, and I don't remember them doing it in previous years, but I'm happy to be corrected on that. This year, they're doing Christmas cakes. 
and you can buy an 8-inch Christmas cake at £35, or a mini Christmas cake, which they tell me is probably enough for two, at £7.50. And it comes with marzipan and icing and decorations. So I think that's quite a nice idea, and a mini one might well do me. I could eat an 8-inch one quite easily, but it wouldn't be good for me. And they're also doing mince pies, mini mince pies. Between 1 and 20, they're 35p each. And if you order over 20, oh dear, dangerous, they're 25p each. If you go in the hub, you'll find that there's a little order form and there's a poster up as well telling you about them. And I just thought I would pass that on because I think a mini Christmas cake that's done properly as a cake rather than maybe just getting a slice. I think it's a good idea. And oh dear, we're not even in November and I've mentioned Christmas. That's not like me at all. You may have noticed that Sunday, just gone, was World Polio Day. And if you were in Sherborne on Saturday, you probably saw a stand that Sherborne Castles Rotary, I think the proper name is the Rotary Club of Sherborne Castles, had down on the parade to give people more information about polio and the work that Rotary has been doing, along with others, to wipe out this pretty nasty disease. I spoke to Sue Thomas-Peter from Sherborne Rotary and asked her to tell us all about it. Tell me, Sue, about Rotary's involvement in eradicating polio. It started really in 1979 when there was an endemic polio endemic in the Philippines, and Rotary clubs in, in the Philippines decided that they needed to do something about vaccination. So they decided that what they would do is they would raise money, and um, there was a huge project to vaccinate something like six million children in the Philippines for a five year period. And this morphed itself into by 1985, the Rotary clubs all around the world, in fact, got together and with several partners, the World Health Organization and so on, pledged to see if they could eradicate for only the second time in human history to eradicate a disease that was causing crippling amounts of distress. And those of you who know anything about polio will know that it can be an incredibly debilitating and sometimes even fatal disease. What was the first disease to be eradicated, Sue? Smallpox. Uh So after um, 1985, in fact, at the time when it was started, there were something like 250 countries where polio was endemic. Now, 35 years almost uh, later, there are only two countries in the world that have wild polio. So the project, um, you know, the intention to set out and eradicate all of the polio in the wild polio in the world has been largely achieved um, with a huge effort. I mean, an enormous amount of effort, something like £2.2 billion has been spent over the years by doing all kinds of special projects that would that have achieved the kind of spectacular results of getting rid of polio in most areas in the world. What has Sherborne Castle's Rotary Club's involvement been over the years? Well, over the years, we've um, uh, had a particularly active member who, you know, it's something that's very special to him. And he's been the driving force and prompting all of us to think, 
every year about our contribution to polio, what we can do for Polio Plus as a project, because it's not just about the eradication of polio. In in Rotary, we call it Polio Plus, and it means um, polio, for example, is transmitted from person to person through human waste. And so if you don't tend to things like sanitation and clean water, then obviously whatever you do in terms of eradicating it, it will come back because the people don't have the opportunity to drink clean water. So Polio Plus doesn't just just um, vaccinate young people and mostly it's children because it's endemic in children but we know we've spent a lot of time on things like um, um, boreholes which are dug and then uh, they kept going by solar power all that kind of thing and the sanitation and, and things like that are very very important so you've got something like 2.5 billion children have been given the oral vaccination and clubs like ours in Sherborne we do two things. We fundraise so that we help to pay for some of the vaccinations, but also some of our club members and certainly Rotary members all around the world give of their time so they will volunteer very often to go to countries where they don't have a very extensive health system because the vaccines themselves are oral vaccinations. And so they're not like COVID, you know, you don't have to inject anybody. They're just little drops that you can give to children. And it costs about 20p per child to vaccinate them. Gosh, is that all? I had no idea. So if you get volunteers, Rotarians, that were prepared to pay for themselves and go to countries, certainly the very remote areas of some countries like India, Pakistan, and lots of parts of China and so on, it can be given by somebody who doesn't have medical training. And this is in many ways why the cost has been kept down, because Rotarians will volunteer to do this. And also we have a partnership since 1985, we have a match partnership with the Gates Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates. Yeah. And for every pound that we raise, they give two. It's, it's a very good project. I mean, they've been extremely... I mean, uh, the Gates and the Rotary Foundation, it's, it's over £2.2 billion over the time that's been given. So our club has made a small contribution, obviously. But for our club, we've always been very interested in helping and supporting. Every year we've given money and we've raised specifically for Polio Plus. But we've um, the emblem for Polio Plus is uh, purple. Everything is purple. And we sell every year crocus corms, purple crocus corms. So around the town, for example, you'll see we're in several places, for example, in the prep school, the entrance to the prep school. In the springtime, there's a, a, a wonderful display of small little crocuses, purple crocuses, that the children and Rotarians have planted over the years and so on as a kind of... Um, a, a kind of, you know, sort of statement of what we want, intend yes. to do. Personally, one of the things I absolutely love, in parts of China, India and other parts, sub-Saharan Africa, when they vaccinate a child and they give them oral um, drops, they use a little piece of purple nail varnish and they paint the little pinky f uh, nail of the child to indicate that they've had their oh. vaccination. And some of the children, it's quite a sweet little thing that they have their yes. fingers painted in purple, you know, um, as, uh, as a way of making it... A, you know, sort of a bit of a fun thing to do yeah. and that sort of thing. As I say, we've, over the years, we've had a lot of interest and support for what goes on in the world. Tell me what Rotary was doing on Saturday. 
Right, well, on Sunday was World Polio Day. So throughout the world, in in all sorts of contexts, and particularly with Rotary Clubs that have done what we've done, there was a great deal of celebration. There was an opportunity to to kind of prompt the public to understand what had been achieved and also to remain vigilant because clearly there are two countries, Afghanistan and Pakistan, that still have cases, live cases. But fortunately, not many in the last year. But we still have to be quite vigilant about the vaccinations because they they wane over time. And so one of the things we wanted to do was to bring to Sherbourne the fact that this is what we had done and also for people to understand what was happening around them. So we were able to secure a, a small pitch um, on the parade next to the Cross Keys pub. And we just put up some information about what some of the people have been doing and some pictures and so on. And we were able to sell crocus corms. And we had some very generously people came along and bought things for us. So we, we've actually raised on the day, we raised about £120 with people buying corms. But uh, we've bought a lot more corms and sold them to lots of other contracts. So when we finished, we'd probably be able to make a contribution to Polio Plus of several hundred pounds. One of the things that I so enjoyed when we were talking, when people walked by on the conduit, they're doing their shopping and getting their vegetables and so on. When they saw what it was about and saw some of the pictures, what was very interesting to me was that very many people, um, shall we say older people in their 60s and 70s, they knew what polio was. And very many of the people that I spoke to told me stories about having been at school with somebody that had a a caliper on their leg or they'd suffered, you know, um, perhaps some sort of paralysis and and had breathing difficulties and so on and so forth. And they understood what a blighting thing this can be in someone's mind and leave them with with permanent damage, you know, and were were very interested to hear what had happened and, and were impressed with what had been done to eradicate this scourge. It was a good thing. Some, so many of the younger people, very many of them didn't even know what polio was. Yeah. And so it was a very good thing yeah. that they didn't know that because they didn't have to suffer it and their families didn't. Mm-hmm. But it just showed you how much, in a way, it traced the fact in a very human way how the eradication of polio had made such a difference in the lives of many people. And so the young people's ignorance about what it was and so on was actually a good thing. It was, yeah, it was a good <laughs> I must say it's a very um, impressive thing to be part of, to know that, you know, a lot of people have put their time and their... It's not just the fundraising part, you know, that the Rotary Club haven't just put money into a kitty for someone else to do, but so very many millions of Rotarians have actually taken part in delivering and so become part of the solution to the problem, which is impressive. Can people still buy the crocus corms? They can, yes. Um We've got a website, uh, the Rotary Club of Sherbourne Castles. We've got a website and contact details are on there. So if they wanted to buy corms for when we certainly could do that and mm. make sure that they got an opportunity to have something to think about and remember yes. each year as they come up, you know, perennials. Oh, that's oh, right. They come up each year. They'll come up and that's, remind you of. I think that's really lovely. And it's something that acts as a constant reminder. That's that's very true. In fact, only a few weeks ago, I did a newsletter. Uh, we were planting some corms again at the you know the, the school, and I found a photograph that that was oh it was about eleven years old now of several Rotarians in with children planting oh. the original sets of um, uh, corms that were put at the prep school because we had a member there that worked at the prep school. You know, every year when they come up, it makes a lovely show, and as I say, is a reminder of what people are trying to do. Oh, and well, I I think it's a very certainly an impressive 
massive achievement. And I mean, factually, you know, for for something like um, 20 pence for each vaccination and over sort of 30 odd years, 99.9% of disease has been eradicated just because we've chosen that that's what we want to do and people have put their energies behind it. That's that's really good. In fact, millions of children would otherwise have suffered quite life-changing disease and heartache and their families too if it wasn't for that. Well, thank you very much, Sue, for coming and telling us all about it. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Time for some What's On items, I think. The Yeovil Literary Festival starts tomorrow and has a host of speakers, including Katie Piper, John Suchet, Lucy Worsley, Dame Joan Bakewell, Max Hastings, Lionel Shriver, the Reverend Richard Coles, Armistide Mopan, I'm not sure how an American would pronounce that, but there we go, and Miriam Margulies. So if you want to hear them talking about their latest book and some anecdotes from their lives, you can get tickets at the Octagon Theatre, Yeovil, and the box office is 01935 422884. Or you can go online to look at the website www.yeovilliteraryfestival.co.uk. So lots there for you. One of my favourite pieces of classical music, and it's contemporary classical music at that, is Carl Jenkins' The Armed Man, which was commissioned by the Royal Armouries to mark the new millennium. The Armed Man is dedicated to the victims of the Kosovo conflict, whose tragedy was unfolding as it was being composed. Jenkins conveys a powerful message for world peace. The Armonico Consort and Orchestra, conducted by Christopher Monks, will be performing The Armed Man on Saturday the 6th of November at the Octagon Theatre Yeovil. I've seen it performed twice, once by an amateur orchestra and choir in Petersfield, and it was stunning. And the second time was conducted by Carl Jenkins himself at the South Bank in London. But it's a wonderful piece of music. The Blackmore Vale and Yeovil Association, a local voluntary group supporting the National Trust, has a series of winter events which I've only just found out about. And the next one is on Saturday the 6th of November at 2.30pm in Digby Hall, Hound Street, Sherborne. The cost is £5, and the talk is the Dorset soldier who won the First World War, General Lord Rawlinson of Trent, and the talk will be given by Rodney Arwood. Before I go, here's a thought for the week. Be grateful that no matter how much chocolate you eat, your earrings will still fit. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you very much for joining me. I've been Sue Hill, your host for Sherborne Voices podcast today. My thanks to Sue Thomas-Peter for telling us about the work of Rotary, of the Rotary Clubs worldwide, but particularly the Sherborne one, in relation to the work they have done to eradicate 
polio. I think rotary may be kind of association that uh, that we don't actually hear about very much and don't appreciate just how much money they raise and donate to projects locally, nationally and worldwide. Last week I asked if people would get in touch if they wanted to tell me about the shops in Cheap Street that were there before the current ones or even before that to give a, a bit of a flavour of what Sherborne has been and how it's developed. I have one gentleman who has come forward and I shall be meeting up with him uh, shortly to hear what he remembers having lived here all his life and I would certainly be very happy to have more people come and tell me things because talking about shops that were here and experiences sometimes sparks off other memories that would be of interest to local people. So if you want to get involved in that, if you want to get involved in any other way with the podcast by going out and talking to people and reporting on that, reporting on events, telling people about the podcast, I would love to hear from you. Spread the word that we're happy to promote local events and associations and indeed businesses. Any information that's useful to local people I think is fair game. So the place to get in touch is via email sue at sherbornevoicespodcast.com or we have a phone number which I never remember to tell you about so you can text or send a whatsapp message or phone and the number is 07869183260 Until next week this is Sue Hill signing off for Sherborne Voices podcast have a good week have a good weekend and look after yourselves this Covid thing hasn't gone away bye for now